welcome to the Speakeasy Sports Show. Time to pull up a seat, pour a glass, and talk some ball. Here's your hosts, Daniel and John. What is up, everybody? Episode 2 of the Speakeasy Sports Show, College Sports and High Spirits. I'm Daniel. He is John. John, how in the world are you this evening? Cheers to you, sir. Cheers to you. I am fantastic. I am uh, ready to talk about week two of college football. Mm. And and what a week it was. What what a week. Is there any content out there for poor poor guys like us to to just dig up? Um, uh, We found plenty to discuss um uh if you're new to the show so happy that you're here um spoiler alert you're all new to the show because it's episode two of the the podcast if you're new subscribe we'd love to have you subscribe to the youtube channel if that's how you're watching this subscribe leave us a comment let us know that you're what you're drinking and where you're watching and um if you're on the audio side wherever you get your podcast subscribe there as well and uh, vice versa. We would greatly appreciate it. Helps out a new show like ours tremendously. We promise we're not going to beg you for a lot of things over the life of this show. We do not plan to extort you for very much, but we will love it if you subscribe to the show. Um, uh, John, I see you taking a sip over there. So let's start yes, the sir. episode the way that we the way that we like to start every episode, which is to ask the question: What are you drinking? And who are you drinking it in honor of um, this fine evening? Daniel, last week I started this show making a toast with a Texas bourbon to the Texas you did for, to the, for, for Texas the Texas State, State yeah. Bobcats, the first team mentioned on the show. The best team in Texas. The, the best, uh, obviously. obviously uh, un- until maybe this week. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel, I, I'm drinking um, the old granddad oh, there she bonded. Is. It's 100 yeah, proof. Probably. It's a beautiful, it. it's a beautiful bottle of whiskey, um, relatively cheap, getting a little bit hard to find. But Daniel, if you look at mm-hmm. this bottle, one of the things that stands yeah. out to me is this beautiful burnt orange mm, label. Okay. Um, the that. other thing that stands yeah. out to me is there's an old guy on here, and um, <laughs> oh, there's a no. there's a granddad, <laughs> and I I think a team in burnt orange. Uh, may have may have given a granddad an opportunity to just ride on out uh, this weekend. So I'm drinking a toast to to the the Texas Longhorns, what? Steve Scar- Sarkeesian going in and beating his father figure Nick Saban, who who helped him out in a hard time. Um, just put old granddad right into the retirement line. Um, cheers, you, cheers to Texas. <laughs> you worked that in just like a master craftsman, John. What a what an absolutely beautiful transition. And somehow you worked in Steve. <laughs> Nick Saban helped out Steve Sarkeesian at a difficult time while while talking about bourbon, which is not it's not lost on some of our listeners. I, um, not lost at all. But listen, listen, I, I, I'm thrilled for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, won a big game really for the first time in a very long time uh, as a head coach. You said ever. Yeah, maybe maybe week. ever. Yeah, maybe ever. Um, I think he did have one top five win. But, man, I don't think any was as big as going into Tuscaloosa, beating Nick Saban um, on his home field. What a showing by the Texas yeah. Longhorns. 
Absolutely. I am. Um, I'm drinking. You want to talk about beautiful bottles? I'm. Tr- I'm drinking this. This right here. It is. It's a Frank August, mm. and this is. Mm. It's not only. It's relatively mm-hmm. new to the market. The the liquid inside is not relatively new. It's fairly old, but it's relatively new to the market, um, and it is my my favorite new bourbon. And it's, I love a good bourbon, John. I think you, that's one of the main premises of this <laughs> podcast. It's what, it's one of the few things that makes me qualified to get on here and talk. I love a good bourbon, but I also love a good bottle. Mm. I love that you, you highlighted the bottle. Um, and this Frank August bottle is absolutely my favorite glass decanter that it, the bourbon is sold in. It is a gorgeous bottle. The topper on this thing, John, mm. it's like made out of solid brand. Beautiful. It's heavy. I love. It's got a. I weight. love a heavy topper. I love. It's got a weight to it. Listen, we're nerding out right I mean, now about bourbon bottles, but so I'm drinking my favorite new bourbon out of my favorite new bottle, in honor of my favorite new college football teams to cheer for. And this is a bit of a, a bit of a segue and a diversion. I have a team. You have a team that we that we love, but. But every year, it's fun to just find these teams mm-hmm. that are easy to cheer for, that you just can't help but. And I've got two of them this year, and they really are blended into one package. Um, Frank August is a blend as well. Um, it's the Oregon State Beavers and the Washington State Cougars. Boy. These are my teams, the Pac-2, as I like to call them. And so I'm drinking my favorite new bourbon in honor of my favorite new mm conference which is the pack two and um i hope these two teams win every single game this year i hope they play in the pack 12 championship game at the end of the year um and let me just say right now these are two pretty darn good football teams that i've chosen to cheer for dju you mentioned him last week is having a great time Mm -hmm. Up there at Oregon State, they steamrolled another opponent this week. Mm-hmm. They play great defense. They play a great brand of football. I love their head coach. And Washington State, little old Washington State, just welcomed the hottest new thing in head coaching, Luke Fickle and the Wisconsin Badgers, into town last weekend. And they um, they took them, to, took them out to the woodshed and beat them soundly. The, these are two good football teams. There's a lot of fun teams in the Pac-12. I said last week mm-hmm. the Pac-12 is the most fun conference in college football. I stand by that. The Pac-12 is the most fun conference in college football this year. Um, and those are my two favorite teams in the Pac-12. I'm cheering for the ones that didn't get picked by anybody else. They're just, <laughs> they're just out there. They're just out there just trying to trying to steal all the Pac-12's NCAA it's, tournament money. What they're it's doing just right stayed now, against the world at this point. It is state sure state is. against the world. Good for them up there in the Pacific Northwest. All right, John. Mm. Um, let's get to the top shelf items mm. from this weekend. Um, I am talking about Texas and Alabama. Are you talking about Texas and Alabama? No, I'll, like I'll let you go ahead and talk about Texas and Alabama. Uh, let's okay. just get into it. Um, this is what's on the top shelf for me. Obviously, Texas is back. Let's just this. I'm not even telling a joke no. for the first time no. in my life. I'm not telling a joke when I say the phrase Texas is back. Obviously, it has become one of the memes of college football. It's become they have made themselves because of some comments from former players, obviously. 
and just the way the fan base has reacted over the last decade, two decades mm-hmm. um, of of futility of Texas football. But Texas is officially back. Sark is recruiting at a high level. He's building that team um, on the offensive and defensive fronts. He is getting all the skill talent he wants. And Sark showed yet again that he is the best play caller in college football on Saturday. Mm -hmm. All due respect to Lincoln Riley and Lane Kiffin and some of these other guys that, that that really run a potent offense, but... Steve Sarkeesian is the best play caller in college football, and he absolutely schemed circles around the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just that the grandson outcoached the old granddad yeah. on Saturday. It was that this. It was that the the vaunted Alabama offensive line that I have heard nothing, nothing, but heaps of praise all season because Latham is apparently one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play college football because Proctor is a true freshman that absolutely cannot miss and is going to come in and dominate right right away at the left tackle position and um, those boys just got whipped up front and they got whipped by a big 12 team John that's not you haven't said that Ever, ever about a Nick Saban coached Alabama team, a Big Twelve team absolutely manhandled them mm-hmm. on the line of scrimmage, and Alabama was really lucky to be in the game for as long as they were. It was, um, it was a beating, and the home crowd helped, and you know some some really some poor execution in the red zone by Texas made the game closer than it should have been, but Texas beat them. They just beat them soundly. And that drive that Quinn Ewers put together, four plays, 80 yards, after Alabama scores to cut it to a three-point game, and he marches right down the field and drops a ball off of the International Space Station right into the hands of A.T. Mitchell. He just he arm-punted that thing all the way down the field and dropped it right in the bucket. Texas is back, John. Man, I, I agree with you. Listen, it, it, this was the first non-conference loss at home for Alabama since 2007 when Louisiana Monroe and Nick Saban's first year came in. I, I don't know if you know, that's a lot of games. I mean, Sarkeesian said, he, yeah, he said after the game, Alabama, you know, versus non-conference uh, opponents was like 51-1 and one or something, and Bryant did he um, under Nick Saban, mm-hmm. which is just absolutely ridiculous. What what I say, I what I, I agree with you on the scheme. What I thought was so telling about Texas and Alabama, which was truly top shelf, was Texas came in and they were not intimidated. They were not tight. They mm-hmm. they came in and they physically matched Alabama to start. And by the end of the game, they were physically dominating Alabama, which just does not happen. And so um, not only the, the play calling, you know, that ball that Quinn Ewers threw, listen, Daniel, if he was in a Florida practice facility, it would have hit it would have hit the roof and he would have gone top five. Like it was top five draft. It would have hit the roof and it would have been viral and he would have immediately gone top five. Um that's that's the rainbow that he know. threw. And that's absolutely I true. mean Joe Milton couldn't have thrown that ball from his knees. Good. That's how that's how crazy of a throw that's it how was. Good it was. But but no, I think you know at the at the end of the day watching um, just the absolute physicality of Texas was was certainly top shelf. 
Um, yeah. And watching those guys play, you know, loose. Um, good on Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, I think there's so mm. many questions about Texas, um, you know, especially the last couple of years, their culture, all these things. And, and I just have to say, you know, kudos. I mean, that is that is a hard Absolutely. thing to do. Um, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. And listen, I'm going to go ahead and give someone um, someone some flowers who – you don't have to give this person flowers because he is getting flowers from everyone in America. Mm. But Deion Sanders, um, oh. Deion Sanders, listen, uh, let me tell you what's top. Okay. Let me tell you what's top shelf about Deion Sanders. Deion mm-hmm. Sanders, um, you can say what you want about his style. You can say what you want about his bravado. You can say what you want about is Colorado going to win another game the rest of the season, right? They have played, um, a TCU team who was not prepared and played a pretty bad Nebraska team. But one of the things that, that I saw that I thought was so incredible from Deion Sanders is that man has put together a coaching staff. He has put together two coordinators that are legit. Like when you watch Colorado, their game plan, yes, they have athletes. Yes. They, you know, they, they have uh, guys who, who are competing, you know, um, on the field, but their scheme Sean Lewis specifically, who I'm going to talk about being top shelf. Sean Lewis was a guy who was a head coach at Kent State. Um, Georgia fans and other other fans of teams watch Kent State come in and move the ball uh, pretty yep. in a pretty big, big way last year. Um, Sean Lewis stepped out of that head coaching role at Kent State to come be offensive coordinator for Deion Sanders and a rebuild at Colorado. And the way that he is using personnel – on offense is just absolutely top shelf. I think, you know, when you look at yep. at what they're doing, the way that they're using their skill players, the way that they're uh, scheming, you know, plays that run to, to Shador Sanders' strengths, um, all of those things, you know, pe- people are going to give – people are on the Dion hype machine. And what I want to say is the top shelf that's happening at Colorado right now is Sean Lewis – offensive coordinator, what he's doing with those skill players on offense, the guys that he brought in, how he's using them, um, how he's building schemes uh, to go out and score points is just really, really incredible. And I think a lot of people, you know, whether you're on the Deion Sanders hype train or whether you're tired of the hype train, I think if you look beyond the actual hype machine and you see what's actually happening on the field – you're going to see the way that they're using Dylan Edwards, the way that they're using Travis Hunter, and, and that Xavier Weaver kid, that wide receiver. Holy moly, that kid is good. Um, they have put together some skill players, and Sean Lewis is, is absolutely using them to their the best of their ability. And um, it's just really, it's really incredible. A team, you know, this complete rebuild. You come in, you're 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 bringing in brand new coaches, bring in eighty something new players. Um, just really, really incredible to see. And you know, I was, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I'm, I've been on the on the side of, yeah, they're going to get beat by TCU. Oh, well, yeah, you know, Nebraska's not that good, but this should be a close game. Um, and these guys just keep putting up a lot of yards, a lot of points, um, and just playing ball. And Sean Lewis is doing a great job at Colorado. Well, you heard it here first. John is the only person in America who who likes Deion Sanders. <laughs> it's, it's just He's the only person talking about him. I mean, poor Deion can't get anybody to go out there and talk about him. But, John, thank you. You're welcome. On the Speakeasy Sports Show, we're finally going finally gonna to talk about We're Deion here Sanders. to talk about the unnoticed. The <laughs> unnoticed. Washington State, Oregon State, and Deion Sanders. Right. These, are the three, these are the three programs that are really getting overlooked. <laughs> 
on the other side of the coin, if those are the top shelf things that we want to celebrate from the week of college football, who needs a drink, John? Who is who is the program or team or person that really needs uh, a stiff drink? Who who we who are we going to buy around for? Well, we've covered uh, the 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 national media who said that Alabama's offensive line was absolutely going to be road graders and just run over everyone. So those people, mm-hmm. you know, we saw uh, a few of those folks probably needed the drink this weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I no one needs a bigger drink at this moment than Jimbo Fisher. What in the world is going on with Texas A&M? What? This just end of that could just be it for the segment. What in the world is has happening? I mean, Texas A&M, all the talent in the world. You look last year and, you know, the talent that they have on the defensive side of the ball is incredible. Um, you look at, at the five stars all over the field. You look at the team they put together. I don't know what happened in Miami in front of a half-filled stadium when you go down. That was, and, that's capacity at Miami. But that that half-filled is You capacity. go down and give up half a hundred to Miami. To Tyler, to Tyler Van Dyke. Van Dyke. <laughs> Uh, half a hundred, um, and and also at the end of the day, you know Texas A and I, I don't know. I mean Connor Wegman, thirty one of fifty three. I mean he threw for three hundred thirty six yards, but two, but two interceptions. I mean no semblance of a run game whatsoever. Um, I don't I don't understand what Jimbo Fisher is doing, and I think that could be the end of the segment too. But at the end of the day, like yep. Jimbo Fisher is in year six at Texas A and M. Um, and this team has has clearly not figured it out. And Bobby Petrino was supposed to be the savior. Maybe Jimbo Fisher was going to give him call of duties. Maybe he's not. But I don't understand. At the end of the day, um, if you can't use the talent that you have at Texas A and I I don't know. I I don't know what else the university, the boosters, anyone else can do for you um, because Jimbo yeah. Fisher is just absolutely. Um, in the tank, and so pour one out for Jimbo. I think it's going to be a tough, tough road. It might be. You might need to buy him a drink because um, he might be unemployed. Well, let's let's be honest. I think he can buy us drinks if he's unemployed. But (laughs) it's true. The buyout is large. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take what you where you started, and I'm just gonna continue because I want to buy a drink today, John, for all of the people who love chanting SEC. S-E-C. S-E-C. First of all, let me start here. That's the dumbest thing in college football, and it's not particularly close. Conference pride is the dumbest thing in college football, and if you are a person who hitches your wagon to a rival school's success... (laughs) You fundamentally misunderstand everything that's good about college football. Stop cheering for the teams that your team is trying to beat and that it's trying to beat your team. Mm -hmm. So that's just a little public service announcement for all of my SEC friends out there. But everyone who loves that SEC chant, John, is they're hurting right now. The SEC is 3 and 6 mm. versus power 5 opponents in the non-conference schedule. Shameful. Would you like me to regale you with those 3 wins? Please. One of them is against 
Virginia, the worst team in the FBS. I did not say the worst Power 5 team, the worst football team in the FBS. Obviously, a tremendous tragedy happened at Virginia, something that we would never want to make light of. Also, they hired Tony Elliott, which is also a tragedy. Not on not on the same level, but is is another tragedy that has happened because that football team is atrocious. That's one of the SEC's wins. Mm-hmm. Another one came against the Arizona Wildcats at home in overtime. John on on about about 4 inches about <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um the third win came by four points at Mighty Cal by the Auburn Tigers mm. in a game that finished at what I believe to be 4.30 Eastern time in the morning. Like, tease and peace to everyone who was trying to get up on Sunday <laughs> but had money on that Cal-Auburn game. Um, oh, boy. Not talking about anyone in particular when I say that. I'm just sort of generally speaking. Those are the only wins, John, against Power 5 opponents mm. The only wins. Mm. The the Georgia fans are up in arms because they don't think their team has looked particularly crisp. Yep. Alabama has already been beaten at home for the first time since the Eisenhower administration. Used Daniel, unless the ahead. SEC West has four undefeated teams. I just. <laughs> I just want I want to play a little game with you because I was going to say this for later okay, in the okay, show, John. Okay. Let's, Let's do, do it now. now. Let's do it now. This will be part of our six-pack. We'll get into the six-pack. Let's do it. Let's play a fun game where we rank the teams in the SEC West from best to Ooh, worst. Okay. okay. Ready? Let's do it. We're going to come to a consensus on this. Okay. So, who do we have at number one? I have Alabama as the best team in the SEC West. I th- yes, it has to be Alabama. All right. This is where it starts to get a little bit more fun. Who do you have as the second best team in the SEC West? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with LSU. Uh huh. You sort of contractually have to because go with LSU. But yes, because until proven otherwise, we know that Florida State looks like a very very good football team. Sure. LSU looked pretty good against Grambling, but it's Grambling. So it's Grambling. until proven otherwise, a small sample size, I'll have to go with LSU. Okay. So the second best team in the SEC West, what was once vaunted mm-hmm. as the best division in the history of sports, uh, the second best team in that division is one million points worse <laughs> than an ACC team, is what we're Correct. saying. On a neutral Correct. field. Okay. Correct. Um, third best team in the SEC West. Are we really going to go with the team that almost lost to Tulane's backup quarterback, John? Is that what we're going to do right now? I mean, the only other option is that you go with an Arkansas team who is up fourteen to six over. I'm giving you the options: Arkansas team that was up fourteen to six. You go, you go with Auburn who almost lost to Cal, and who knows what they're doing. Uh, you could potentially, I guess, Texas A&M lost by a million points to an ACC team. So well, that's true. So I think I think you have, but I do think you have to go with Ole Miss. And now you're at the third best team in the best division, supposedly in college football, 
almost lost to a backup quarterback. To two, two lanes, lanes backup quarterback. Yes, that's where we are. I mean, we don't have to keep, no, keep going. But, but why isn't Mississippi's? I think Mississippi State mm-hmm. is it like they're not the worst team in the West. Heck no. They may not be the second or third worst team in the West, Mm-mm. John. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what what continues to play out with the SEC West because, um, I mean, the East isn't much better. No. Let's just be realistic. No. The East isn't much better, but it does not look great for the SEC at this point. So buy a drink for your friend who loves to chant SEC because um, he ain't going to be doing it that much. People in tech, people from Texas are coming in to Bryant Denny chanting SEC to make fun of them. Um, Correct. All right, let's get into the six-pack, John. Um, that was one of mine, and it took way too long. So wh- where are you going to start yeah. with in this week's six-pack? Listen, I, uh, for me, I, I, I'm going to start – I was going to talk about Washington State. I think we should just go there. Um Sure. Washington State, my favorite. Yeah, team. Washington State. I mean, what, what a job is being done out west um, by by the Cougars. Listen, I don't know Luke Fickle, Tanner Mordecai, um, Phil Longo. Like we're supposed to come in, we're supposed to be scoring yeah. a lot of points. We're supposed to be doing a lot of things. Washington State, little old Washington State's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Beating beating these teams, I'm curious to see. Daniel would love your would love your take. What is your prospects on Washington State um, going in? You know they have North Colorado this week. Then you get Washington State at Oregon State. When those two line it up, my two favorite. Yeah, team. I mean I'm going to be locked. You only in. have to wait these two weeks. My, this is my. You squad. only have to wait two weeks. What are our prospects for Washington State and Oregon State in two weeks? I mean. Um, you mean what are our prospects for getting tickets and flying out west and going out there? The two of us, I think they're pretty high at this point. Uh, no, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be a great game. Listen, I, we we talk about the Pac-12 mm-hmm. all day, but it's going to be very difficult for Washington State or Oregon State. Oregon is, I think, pretty mm-hmm. good. Washington, I think, might be very mm-hmm. good. Utah, it, it looked a little shaky this weekend. We'll see what Utah is all about. Uh, but USC is is a freaking wagon, yeah. man. And yeah. like it's there's a lot of quality teams in the Pac-12. But where is that game? Is it in Pullman or is it in Corvallis? That game is in Pullman. Washington State's gonna win that game. Yep, that is in Pullman. Like that's just that's my I, take right I there. So I think too. those teams are pretty evenly I think matched. So too. Yeah. I would probably handicap it at Washington State minus three, which is just a home field advantage. Yep. Like that's all it is. Because I would on a neutral field, I'd, I'd put that game in a pick'em. Um, it's it's two fun teams, and you're right. The coaching job out there, um, it it's kind of, it's been kind of a mess at oh. Washington State. You know, they had the whole debacle of you know the coaching debacle like a couple years Mike ago. Mike Leach left. You had a guy who basically, yeah. I think I feel like they may have had like tryouts for the head coaching job at Washington <laughs> it was State. Was Rudy situation? No, it was it really was like the guy you know kind of took over and then f- stumbled his way uh, into into the job. And man, he's yeah. done a done a heck of a job with what he has to work with for sure. I'm gonna give you two from my six pack here it. because they're both quick, um, and I'm gonna get your I'm gonna get your reactions okay. to both of them. My first one I already mentioned. Um, I don't think USC is fair. I don't think it's fair that USC exists. Mm. 
just period for the teams that they have to play on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Like this offense is different than other offenses that we have seen. The skill talent, the freshman skill talent on this team, combined with Caleb Williams, who is an absolute dude. Yeah. Like he just makes every throw that he wants to make. And I don't care how bad the defense is, John. It is very hard to see this team losing very many games this year. Correct. USC is not a fair team. And then my second one is probably a bit of a a bit of more of an off the radar. And you call it an overreaction if you want to what happened this weekend. I think Notre Dame might go eleven and one and make the college football playoff. So I'd love your thoughts on that. I think I think Notre Dame, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Sam Hartman. I am a believer in Marcus Freeman and his ability to coach defense. Um, I think Notre Dame, especially, you know, that's one when you look at their schedule. Again, you know, they got to play USC. Um, they so they got Ohio, yeah, they got State. Ohio State, but and, but when you and then they got Clemson, yeah. and that's yeah, well, that used to be a hard yeah. game. But w- w- on the schedule, no, they actually have they have Duke, which is the hard game. Oh, and I'm they, sorry, they do play they Duke. play Duke yeah. at Duke, yeah. uh, which will be yeah. maybe harder than Clemson. But no, I you know I think uh, I think Notre Dame is absolutely in the driver's seat for a college football playoff berth. Sam Sam Hartman is the real deal, man. If you if you if you yes. haven't watched Sam Hartman play football in 2023 for Notre Dame, um, please watch Sam Hartman play football. That that kid He's is good. very good. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. All right. All right going I'm going to hit you with this one, Daniel. Tell me what's what would be more um, impactful. So Alabama went out, uh, you know, it was very it was very obvious there were a lot of rumors about Alabama's quarterback situation. Um, there, you know, in the off season, there was rumors they were going after Drake May. There was rumors they were potentially going after Tyler Van Dyke. There were all these rumors uh, uh, with Alabama. Do you think Nick Saban made the right choice and Tommy Rees by keeping Jalen Milrow in the game? Do you think that that game turns out differently with a Tyler Buckner, um, or do, or do you think? Maybe the other question uh, is, you know, do you think that game turns out differently if Alabama has a better quarterback from the portal? Two two questions that you asked me. Um, the first one is, I think, unequivocally, I think Alabama gets run out of their own stadium with Tyler Buckner in at quarterback. Right. That might be a, a take that some people listening or watching might not agree mm-hmm. with. Because it's Jalen Milrose really getting dumped on yep. right now. Yep. Um, yep. And, I mean, let's be fair. He's not particularly good at some of the fundamental aspects of playing quarterback. So, all acknowledgement there. But it is very popular right now to be dumping on Jalen Milrow. He, he threw two very bad interceptions. And also, he kept Alabama in that game almost single-handedly. 100%. Um. So, do I think it was the wrong decision to leave Jalen Miller? Which, I mean, again, after the game, Saban hinted that he wanted to pull him yeah. out. But then he threw a touchdown pass. And so, he almost acted like, so I had to leave him in. This is, again, the greatest coach in college football history is apparently saying that he was his hand was forced. He wasn't able to make a decision that he wanted to make because kid threw a touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. But... um. The portal question is interesting because I was thinking about this 
earlier, I don't know that there were that like how many who could they have gotten? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, like, I guess you look at I heard uh, I heard the Cover Three podcast. Those guys were talking about this, and I guess you look at you know you had Tanner Mordecai out there, Tyler Buckner, obviously uh, Luke Altmeyer, who looks terrible at Illinois. Um, yeah, yeah. I, These are not better no, options. They are not better options. Yeah, I think when you what are you going to get Shadur Sanders? I don't think you're going to get him. No, like I think no. he probably They're, had a spot. He was looking correct. For. It is not hypothetical. Do any quarterback that they wanted, right? But uh, right. but yeah, you're, I guess that's a valid point. From the available quarterbacks that that were out there, I don't think there was a better option. The um, bigger question about Alabama is and has been, why are they looking in the portal? For a, for a quarterback savior for the program. Why are they taking offensive tackles from Vanderbilt a couple years ago? In, and like because they need them. Like the well, greatest coach of all time in his seventeenth year of building the greatest program of all time is going out and getting a quarterback from Notre Dame. That was not going that, to. That, that was, Notre Dame that, Notre, fans are. Yeah, that was not going to be the starter goal. at his program to come in. Good Lord, and no. and was questioning pulling out his five star quarterback recruit for that guy in his seventeenth year. I mean, things are tough at Alabama right now. Things are tough at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're not even talking about the fact that Kevin Steele and Tommy Reese exist. So, <laughs> like, that's it's tough yeah. at Alabama right now. All right, um, uh, let me go. L- let me go to. I mean, I, I got a couple more. Okay. Number one is, um, for whatever reason, just make just just because I'm a sick man, John. Iowa football has become must-watch television Boy. for me this year. Like the the Brian Ferentz 25 point like crusade. Has become my favorite thing about college football. Will Iowa score 25 points? Will they score 25 points in a game this season? They Dad? haven't yet. He needs, they have not yet. No, they haven't. No. He needs to average 25. Yes. Um, the Cyhawk is always one of the ugliest and best college football games of every single year, and this year it did not disappoint. Yet again, Iowa State had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to tie it. Um, Iowa obviously pulls off the victory. This team is ranked mm-hmm. in the top twenty-five. They are two and zero, um, and it's just a disgusting must-see TV every time they're on television for me. If if they don't have a pick six, that team scores thirteen points. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so not only is are they not scoring 25 points, their defense, you know, and I don't know the rules. I don't think that – The offense yeah, got half Yeah, there. I don't think this is in the contract. I don't think the offense has to score 25 points. But good Lord, no. if it is, I mean, that offense isn't getting close. Um, not – but yes, no, I, I agree. Iowa must see TV. Um, I, I know there are numerous on the internet now, numerous trackers that you can go and yes. find on Brian Ferentz mm-hmm. Quest – to average 25 points a game. I'm not going to lie to you, John. I'm pulling for him hard. I am fully on board. I'm pulling hard for him. You can, like this is you got to pick a side. You are either you're either cheering for and watching the demise of a football coach yeah. and possibly a familial relationship yeah. or 
you're just pulling for the world's ultimate underdog, which is a guy who has no business ever being a coordinator in the first place, somehow being tasked with taking terrible players in a system that is not designed to score any points Mm -hmm. and score 25 points a game with it. I'm pulling for the underdog. Let's go, Brian. Incredible. All right, Dano, I'm gonna hit you with I'm gonna hit you with immediate thoughts on a line this week. Tennessee opens Tennessee opens as a seven point favorite versus Florida. Tennessee has to go to Gainesville and Maybe. play Florida. Do you know how many wins all time in twenty one times playing in Gainesville Tennessee has versus Florida in Gainesville? Twenty one They times? played twenty one times. Do you know how many wins Tennessee has in Gainesville? I'm going to take a stab. Uh, let's say they have seven. They have a third of the game. They have five. five the wins. last time Tennessee won a football game in Gainesville, Florida was 2003. Well, you got to remember the Tennessee dynasty only started last <laughs> year when they, Correct. when they won 10 games Correct. and printed a book mid season about how they were the number one team. in America. Correct. Correct. So if you, if you look at the last, you know, 51 years, Tennessee has won twice in Gainesville. Do we think Tennessee is going to win this game when they go down to Gainesville? I'll just say this. The answer is yes. I do think they're going to win this game. But if Tennessee doesn't win this game, the SEC is no longer on life support. The SEC has officially deceased. It is dead and gone. Georgia is an independent. They are Notre Dame now of the South. Like, there is no more conference no. at all. You break the whole thing up. It's, it's gone. You, if you're Tennessee and Josh Heupel, you cannot lose this game to Billy Napier and a Florida Gators team that is led by Graham Mertz that has has literally no signs of life almost anywhere on the roster. You cannot. You absolutely cannot lose this game. But um, Tennessee hasn't exactly looked looked fantastic in the early. Joe Milton hasn't exactly looked like Hendon Hooker. Squirrel White, believe it or not, isn't Jalen Hyatt, which is surprising apparently to Tennessee fans who were convinced that their wide receiver core I talked to so many Tennessee fans who who informed me that their wide receivers this year might be better mm. than their wide receivers than their two then, wide receivers who were drafted last than year. their Bolitnikov winning wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Um and Cedric Tillman who, who was, was just, just as good, good was, but just not well he yeah. was injured, right? I think Cedric Tillman yeah, right. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But like now you're out. You're trotting out guys like Squirrel White out there as wide receiver one, and it's yeah, it's not the same. Tennessee's got to go in there and they got to win this game. They got to win it handily. Yeah. If um, all right, la- this is the last one for me, John, and um, it is that Miami just beat Texas A&M mm. in what a game that the more I think about it is just the biggest pillow fight that we might see all college football season. I think Miami might go eight and four after beating Texas A and M, and the schedule is terrible. Mm-hmm. Like they have mm-hmm. a they have a, a absolutely it's easy schedule. Not good. They should roll out of bed and win nine games. But I think, I mean, how can I trust Mario Cristobal? How can I trust this Miami team? I, it's hard not to watch that game and come away feeling much more negative about Texas A&M than you feel positive about Miami. I still think Miami's going to get run. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get run by Duke. 
I think they're going to get run by by teams in the ACC that have no business being on the same field as them. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of a talent perspective, but such is the case when Mario Cristobal is your coach, you will have good players, and you will not play good. You this is you will win. Mario Cristobal has proven that you will win a couple of games that you are not supposed to win, uh, and then you will somehow magically end up uh, you know losing four to five. Um, that you probably you probably should have played better. Um, I think he has. You know, I refer to that. I refer to that as uh, malzoning is what I used to call it. And now mm-hmm. now I think it might be mm-hmm. jimboing. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> the ability to jump up and play. Uh, you know, good quality opponents and then turn around and just have an absolute um, head scratcher. Are we going to call it freezing soon? People are asking. Freeze. People are wondering. Freezing. Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah. The the last one that I had um, is, you know, I think if you if you look at the ACC, who do we see coming out of the ACC? So Florida State, obviously, you know, I think everybody would say Florida State. If you look at the ACC championship, when we look mm-hmm. down in the crystal ball, who is coming out of that ACC to play Florida State? Who is going to challenge Florida State uh, for the ACC championship um, coming down the line? Top. Tough week to be North Carolina Tough Tar week. Heels. I think that's the, the point. point that that's exactly out. the point like, I'm making. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. North Carolina is squeaking out one against App State. Um, I I am very curious who's going to step up and uh, take take second place in the AC in the ACC. I still think it might be North Carolina. I think, I think Duke. I think it might be Duke. I think. I mean, this might just be. I might. I, this might be truly me showing how naive and stupid I really am. <laughs> I still think Clemson. It could be Clemson. Mm, could be. I still think Clemson could put it together. Um, but I mean, they're just. It's such. It's such a clear path for Florida State right now, mm-hmm. and yet they're Florida State. It's. It was gonna be my big picture, like takeaway. Like I mean, the the path for Florida State is just wide open, mm-hmm. and I think it has to do with. It has less to do with them. I mean, they made that statement win, but now it feels like all they have to do is hold on. Mm-hmm. Just don't screw anything up until late December is the next time that you're going to be tested. Because the ACC championship game, it doesn't even feel like it's going to be a test at all. Florida, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a test at all at the end of the season. Nope. And so it's not going to be till you get to the college football. You might be, Michigan might be the next <laughs> team that tests Florida State. Like, that is a crazy reality to be in but that might be where we are good stuff all right let's uh let's look ahead let's end the show by looking ahead you already already looked ahead slightly next week uh to next week what what are the picks that you're you're looking at what are the things that you're hunting for you know we all go to the store we're all looking for the stuff we're looking behind the bottles Mm -hmm. and looking for the stuff tucked in the back and looking for the asking the guy (laughs) giving a little wink and saying like you got anything back in the back though that what are the things that you're that you're hoping to see when you turn on college football next week well i think what we're gonna see um georgia let's talk about georgia right georgia has uh, arguably one of the the weakest schedules in college football uh, georgia gets their first you know kind of real test if you want to call south carolina a test um, in athens this week one of the things i'm looking for is to see so kirby smart came out in this press conference and jamon dumas johnson came out in their press conference saying we want to make this a statement game 
And so Georgia, you know, opened, uh, I think it was a 24 and a half favorite against South Carolina. That mm-hmm. line has moved to 20. To immediately 20, got um, hammered. Immediately moved to 20. Um, I am I am very curious to see if Georgia can put it all together versus a quality opponent this week. You mentioned earlier that the Georgia fan base has been uh, a little bit up in arms with slow starts against lesser quality opponents. You had Tate Ratledge talking about the offensive line um, not playing up to their standard. I'm very curious with an SEC opponent in South Carolina coming into Athens, if Georgia separates themselves a little bit from Mm. uh, Michigan, Florida State, Texas, USC, um, can they come out and make a statement this week? Um, Or are the dogs going to have another slow start and have uh, fans wanting to fire Mike Bobo? Um. That's I barely even notice that Georgia fans are angsty. I hardly get to interact with them at all, John. So it's not really something I've really paid much attention to. Um, uh, let me let me go here for this weekend. Um, there are a lot of teams out there that are undefeated. Mm-hmm. You might look at this slate first of all and look across the board and say this is a weak slate of college football. There- you don't have the big mega matchups, the big highly ranked versus highly ranked that we've had in the previous week. There's no Florida State LSU on the schedule. There's no Texas Alabama on the schedule in week three. I think this is a sneaky good week mm-hmm. of college football coming up. One of the things I'm looking at and looking for is the undefeated teams that we don't really know if they're any good yet or not. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn a little bit more about how good they are. Now, you mentioned Georgia. I don't put them in that category. I think we know Georgia's good, even though we haven't learned anything about them yet. But there are a lot of teams. So Tennessee goes on the road to Florida. That's an easy one. Tennessee is undefeated. They played played two bad teams. Mm -hmm. I said Virginia is the worst team that they played, and it's the worst team they will play all season. we're going to learn something, even though Florida's not very good. We're going to learn something about Tennessee when they go on the road. Is that how good are they? They're undefeated, but how good are they? Mississippi State hosts LSU this weekend. Mississippi State is undefeated and holds one of the conference's three Power Five wins on the season. How good is Mississippi State? That game's in Starkville. Can they give LSU a game, potentially pull that one out? Two teams playing each other who are both undefeated, Kansas State and Missouri. I don't know how good either of these teams are, but I cannot wait to watch that game. I suspect Kansas State might be really good this year. Uh, I think they might be the team that's going to give Texas the most trouble in the Big 12. I think them and Oklahoma are legitimate threats to Texas in the Big 12. So Kansas State and Missouri, how good are both of those teams? And then you got the the aforementioned North Carolina, who is technically two and zero, but and then they play Minnesota. They host Minnesota this weekend, who is also technically two and zero. But what is Minnesota? What is North Carolina? We don't know about any of these teams. There's so many fun matchups this weekend in college football. We're gonna learn a lot. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I love that. I think, you know, Kansas State, you mentioned Kansas State. Um, Kansas State has given Texas absolute hell uh, in in recent years. Um, And so uh, I'm interested, definitely interested to see 
Kleiman is no, no he's joke. No joke. As a coach, like he can coach. Yeah. Like it's that's a real system that they got running there at Kansas. Absolutely, State. yeah, yeah. So cool. I think you know. All right. Yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Sorry. Yeah. You know, episode we'll two, just, we're we're pros. We're just getting it. We're just listen. We know what we're yeah. doing, guys. You don't you don't tell us what to do. Just have another have another sip. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, Speakeasy Sports Show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the audio podcast. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about any of these games or matchups. What you're most looking forward to seeing this weekend. We would love to hear from you. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday and every Tuesday of the football season to break down our favorite drinks and our favorite teams here on the Speak Easy Sports Show. We'll see you guys next time.